I thought I was a millionaire. I'm like, I'm a millionaire. Eight strangers just gave me $297 on the internet. It was just mind boggling that people would buy. Like I couldn't even believe it. And she changed my life. And that is when my business went to the races. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. We are so happy to have you back. Today on the show, we have an amazing guest, Patrice Pulzer, award-winning producer at the Today Show, Gracie Storytelling, award winner, mom to three boys just like me, founder and CEO of Patrice Pulzer Creative, where she has been working on storytelling with many of the brands that we know and love. So today on the show, me and Patrice are going to talk about so many things that have to do with career, building a career you love, pivoting, storytelling, and momming, because those are all the things that impact, well, pretty much all of us. So welcome to the show, Patrice. Uh, can I just say you have a great voice? Wow. I was like not expecting that. And I was like listening to you and I'm thinking, wow, you sound like you've been in the media or the news business before, but I don't think you have. So well, well done. <laughs> Well, thank you. That is such a good introduction and a kind word. I will tell you then, I don't think I've ever said this on the show, but it's funny. My mom used to tell me as a child that, um, don't worry if anybody kidnaps you, they will bring you back because you talk so much. Nobody will want to listen to you and they will get sick of you after 30 minutes. So I think I've just talked a lot in my life and, um, yeah, I have not been on TV, uh, but one day. Maybe we can make these uh, new segments, you know, something big and grand. Well, yeah. I mean, hey, social media is the new TV. So you, you for all intents and purposes, you are on TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it's true. I um, This whole endeavor kind of started with me um, getting away from the traditional media during the election and COVID. And it was so negative, right? I could not stand all the negativity. It was weighing me down. So I started getting on LinkedIn very regularly. And actually I found there's so many brilliant people sharing so many interesting stories that are applicable and newsworthy right there in that social media platform. And that's really kind of what the catalyst for me to move forward was. Um, so you're absolutely right. I love everything to do with social media and and the news we can get there and we can do away with the the negative news as I call it. (laughs) We can cultivate our own. Exactly, exactly. So I wanted to start with your background because I think you really have an interesting um, background on your career and how things shaped. And I would love to know if you know you had these kind of intentions or ideas in college, post-college, or how you kind of get out, got out there because I think it's really interesting for women to see all the different kinds of careers and how you can shape a different life Um, especially one that is unusual. And I know you have also a fun story about interning. So start from the beginning and tell us how you got 
um, into news media producing? Yeah. Um, so I'll give you cliff notes cause we'll be here for the whole hour, but <laughs> I mean, honestly, to be honest with you, I was a late bloomer. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't really kick start my career until I was almost 30. So for anyone listening that feels lost or feels that they're not on the path they thought they were supposed to be on or we're going to be on, do not fret <laughs> because I know that that feeling, um, you know, my twenties look like most people in their twenties, like we're very lost. I'm from the Midwest, you know, and I'm sure it's not just the Midwest. It's a lot of towns and a lot of places, but you know, you, you sort of follow a script, right? You graduate from college and then you marry your college sweetheart. And then you have a corporate job, like a lawyer, like, you know, a consultant job in your twenties and you crawl up the ladder and you make sure you're engaged and you've been and you're pregnant all by the time before you're 30. And if you're not on that path, then you, you, you're not, you're different. And I was not on that path. Um, you know, my, I graduated from the university of Wisconsin, Madison, and it was like, I graduated and this sounds insane now that I think about it, but it's like I graduated and it hit me. Wait, I'm supposed to get a job? It was, it, it's, don't, talk about, don't even talk to me about like if people should be going to college because it's like, oh my God, education and paying for, and I didn't realize how to get a job. But um, no, I was very lost when I left college. I ended up selling books door to door all over the country in a pure commission job. I mean, and if nothing says loss, like riding a bike around when you just graduated from college in the middle of Texas and you're like, what is my life right now? And I did that for three years. So um, it, it wasn't really until I got into like my mid to late 20s where I started to just make some decisions and make some choices. And so I'll fast forward. I, I ended up getting an internship, um, but I was 29 and I, and I have a very vivid memory of like this guy, his name is Jeff. I'll never forget his name. Um, walking up to me in the newsroom and he's like, is it true that you're almost 30? And it was like, he saw inside my soul and saw my insecurity because I was very insecure about it. And so I just remember thinking like, oh my God, A, I'm never going to ever treat anyone if I ever get anywhere in this life or in a job or whatever. Like I'm never going to make an intern or anyone feel, he made me feel so less than. So, um, but once I, and then after my internship, I decided to move to New York. And again, like, you know, you always hear of the glamorous, I moved to New York in my twenties and you know, da, 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 da. but I mean, I was almost 30 when I did this. Like most of my friends were engaged, very serious. Some already had kids. So me leaving the Midwest at almost 30 was not the script that you tend to follow. And I came to New York without a job, Craigslist roommate. Um, you know, it was very much like make or break it. Like I wasn't, I didn't come from a family that's funding me. It wasn't like that. So, um, I ended up getting, um, a job in Bloomberg TV as an overnight producer, an overnight associate producer in the Asian market news. No one was more surprised than I was that I got that job <laughs> because I remember thinking, I, what? about this resume, like screams anything about, I was, well, it was just one of these like situations where I think it doesn't even matter, but I, I, but it was, it was, it was an awful job is overnight. You know, I started at 2am, ended at 11 
you know, but, but it, 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 I was, it was a foot in the door. You know, I was not a full-time employee. I was like, you know, freelancing. So they don't have to pay you like healthcare. You know, it's all those like, especially in the media industry, so many industries, fashion and media, some of these like outwardly glamorous, you know, you can take advantage, it's ripe to be taken advantage of people that just want to get in. So, um, I did that job for a while, but you know what? Like once I got in, in New York, it's like things went into hyperdrive. And I, ironically, you know, I ended my media career at the end of 2016. I was at the Today Show for six years as a producer. And the only reason that I got that job, and my, I know this because my boss is a mentor still, he's since left NBC, but I interviewed for that job. It was not at the Today Show. It was for another department in NBC. And it was right at the time where like BuzzFeed was coming into play and, you know, online video. And, you know, every, you know, remember when Buzzfeed would do those like food videos and they'd have like 5 billion views and everyone is like, oh my God. And so all these news stations that knew nothing about digital media or nothing were like freaking out. They're like, oh my God, like we need we like the internet, the internet. Right. So it was an, it was in a unit within the company that was, he, my boss at the time was so ahead of his time. He, he was like a leader. He, he wasn't, he was one of these like visionary people. Um, and he saw the writing on the wall and he knew that the industry was going to head online. And so he had made this unit and this is not to get too geeky, but you know, let's say you have a brand like Mercedes, you know, they give the today show, let's say a hundred grand for advertisement. My boss would say to the ad sales team at, to Today Show or NBC, give me, give me 50 grand, give me 20 grand of that 100 grand budget and we will make content for and for Mercedes. We'll put it on the Today Show website, but we're not just going to make commercials. We're going to make like stories. And at the time, that was not what people did. Like you, that, now we're used to like, you know, watching TikToks and watching Instagram and going on YouTube and being told like really great stories. But in like 2012, 2013, there was not a lot of that. Most at the time, most big TV show platforms would just simply take the broadcast or let's say the the anchors right in the morning and they would just d- like s- make little splices, but not change anything for the internet, right? So it's like, it didn't do well. So anyway, I, I got a job in this in his unit and, and, the, and my boss said, you know, when you interviewed with me, I was like, this chick has so underqualified. She has none of the skills, but it somehow came up that I sold books door to door in our interview. And he said that as soon as he heard that I sold books for three years, he goes, you were hired in my brain because I already knew that I could teach you any skill. I could teach you how to edit video. I could teach you how to make a story. I could teach you how to write scripts. I could teach you all these technical skills, but not many people are willing to go door to door on a hundred percent commission for not one, but two, but three years. So he, so it, it, it's so funny how sometimes like when you look back at your life and only in the hindsight, right? You know, when I was selling books door to door, I mean, there were, those were some of my lowest days. I mean, literally just being rejected all day. You're in the hot sun. I was riding a bike, so lost. I'm like, I, I just graduated college and I'm walking around. It was just very confusing. My whole family was confused. Like, wait, what are you doing? So, but, but honestly, that's the reason that I ended up getting my real first big break at NBC. And I would, I would like to say right there for everybody listening, especially people that may be hiring other people is that is that tracks perfectly with what I've experienced. 
oftentimes you find amazing candidates and if they have the drive, the tenacity, the personality that's going to fit in with the group, the team, the dynamic, so many of the skills are teachable. And I think it's a really sad place where we are in the world now where you have to have so many qualifications to get almost any job. And it's just like ridiculous. I really think we need to look for people that are teachable. And that's what I hear is that he saw you were teachable. You had all these other kind of personality factors that were going to lend themselves to success. The technical skills, okay, unless you're going to be a brain surgeon or an architect, okay, maybe you need some qualifications there. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Please hire for tech. Please hire for skill on that. Right. Like please hire the best brain surgeon that really knows how to do surgery. Yeah. Yes. But like 90% of the jobs out there, I really think a good mentor and a good environment, you can learn the right person with the right attitude, open-mindedness, those kind of things. So I just wanted to butt in there and like for everybody listening to think about for yourself, be teachable, show the other qualities that you have, that you have the determination, the drive, the factors to lend itself to success and being open-minded to being teachable. That will do wonders. And for people hiring, look for those things, okay? Because I do see that it's a hard job market out there. People are struggling on both ends of the aisle. And if we take a practical approach like this, we would be just light years ahead. So, okay, back to it. So he gave you an opportunity Um, he was visionary and you got to get in on doing some really cool and new and trending things that like, I mean, really changed the landscape of how ads are done, how stories are sold, um, and how news is driven. Yeah. And at the time, you know, you didn't know that, but it was, this was around, you know, 2000, yeah, like 13, 14 and like this, yeah, he got me in, but again, you know, he was volatile because he was a visionary. And when you're a visionary, you can't be too big for these, like some of these companies. Cause if you're too big and you're too visionary and it doesn't fit within and you know, it's all politics, right? When you get to be very high up. So then when the guy at the time that was running the whole division, he got pushed out, he was my boss's like protector. And then he was, it's so interesting, right? You get into these places and you're like, Oh my God, God, I'm like not cut out for this battleship game. Like, oh, and I'm not, and I wasn't because I, it's, you have to be a little bit political at some of these big places, I think, to really survive. And I was always on the verge of getting fired. Um, So when my boss was pushed out, his unit was dismantled. But you know what? And it's funny, I just recorded another podcast a few weeks ago and it made me email him thanking him because you know what he did again, because he's one of the best bosses I've ever had in my life is like anyone who's ever worked for him will like walk through fire. They're like, oh, I'll because he, he, you know, we had no vacation. He ran his little unit like a startup, right? He's like, I don't care where you work. You know, this is, you know, this is before that was remote work was a thing. And so anyway, um, what he did was he was smart because he said to us, he goes, you guys are all going to lose your jobs because I'm getting dismantled. But here's what I'm going to do. He told me, he goes, Patrice, I'm going to keep you active in this system. So your badge, because you know, at those big companies, having badge access is everything you get. That means you still get access to the, I could go into 30 Rock every day, right? And, you know, being around, being seen, being visible, which is a whole other conundrum in this light of work, right? Where young people just aren't in the offices as much. But that 
where I was in media, that was part of the game as well. Like kind of being there, being able to see someone in the cafeteria, being able to like see someone at the coffee. And so he's like, so he let me be in the system. So the system did not know that I wasn't actually working there anymore. So what that allowed me, it allowed me time. So my boss then would email his contacts and be like, Hey, if you have a spot, this girl is amazing. You definitely want her. And so that's how I ended up getting a job on the Today Show. Not because I came, again, not because I came up through the ranks, because like, A, I now had tech skills. Because I was in this weird unit, I now knew how to shoot video. I could edit and I could go and operate as a one woman band and tell stories all on my own. So I was cheap, I was cheap labor. So that's why I got it. Not because like, she's amazing. Cause no, no, no. It was because like, oh, okay. She came from digital. Like she has some skills. And then my boss was like, oh, she works in the building. So at, you know, he, he did me a solid. He bought, so anyway, that's how I got my foot into the today show. Um, and that was a wild ride. It was a very wild ride. It was, it was, it was both equal parts amazing. Um, it was mostly amazing, but it's also one of those environments where you get in and I, you start looking around and you're like, oh, well, what's next? Like you kind of, it's like that job where a lot of people don't leave because it's like just, you know, like it's, 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 it is like, there are lots of glamorous things, right? You're working in 30 Rock, like Saturday Night Live is above you and you, you know, you're bumping into Jay-Z or Jimmy Fallon or Beyonce. Like that aspect of working at the show is absolutely true. But at the end of the day, you are still beholden to create your creative ideas that aren't your own. Usually you're doing stories that you don't really want to do. You're on weird deadlines. You have to have weird hours. I mean, I was there for Sandy Hook. It was like the worst night of my life. Like, you know, you are in it for everything. And so um, if you don't want to be an executive, because I didn't, and you don't want to like, just claw your way up as a producer and you maybe make a, you know, it's like that weird life where you're just doing the same job. But so anyway, I started getting twitchy when I'm like, I, I, I don't even like know what my future is, is here. So in 2016, that like, that's, that was my last year. I went out on a high. I, um, I ended up getting really involved with the Syrian refugee crisis. I did a bunch of stories where I traveled and embedded myself with, um, American mothers on the shores of Turkey, when the boats were coming in, it was really, I mean, it changed my life. Genuinely, it changed, it changed me as a person. Um, and it was interesting because that whole year I was fighting for parity for salary. I found out a much more junior male employee that was doing basically my job in less was making like 30 to 40,000 more dollars than I was. Can I ask how, how, how you found that out? Because this is, you know, this is like my passion topic. It's like getting paid, owning your worth, asking and demanding what you're, you're worth. So how did you even find that out? Yeah, it was double fold. And actually I found out that another female producer was like making way more money than I was. And she was horrified when she, when I told her what I was making and she goes, you realize blah, blah, blah makes this. And this was the male. So I don't know how she knew, but, um, it, it was like my, and this is right before, I mean, I was pregnant. I was with my second kid and I was just all ragey. I was like, this is, so I remember like marching in my boss's office. I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm like, I just found out that she makes this and he, and rather than be like, you know, 
he's just like, yeah, yeah, so. And I was just like, well, it's like I almost like didn't like know what the... I didn't like plan this out in my brain, you know, and I, and I just said, I'm like, well, th- this is, this is insane. I'm, and, and, but you know, you are, you're made to feel very powerless, like in those situations, because you know, there, it's like the, the attitude is someone wants your job. So, you know, which is not true. Like it might be true, but you, you are made to, you're only as good as your next, your last best story. So it, it's perfect. It's primes for people that work there. You're on that hamster wheel of you can have the greatest thing in the world. And guess what? That airs for two minutes. And the minute that ends, you're back at square one being like, okay, what is the next? You know, it's, it's sort of this constant, like, it's like, it's never fill It's never fulfilling. You can never fill it up. So um, anyway, I ended up getting a raise. I remember that year and I ended up doing this story that my boss didn't want me to do but I made such a stink about it. And I like went to his boss. It was, I wouldn't do that now. And I, looking back, it was like very insubordinate of me, but I like copied an email and I was like, this is a news organization. And I'm like, we should be doing this story. And I'm like, (laughs) and if we don't do the story, I will do this myself. I mean, I was like seven months pregnant. I, I was just like, do not mess. And I ended up getting approved and that's how I went to Greece. I mean, it was a whole thing. Like I went by myself with one other woman and two of us filmed. I was like massively pregnant. And, um, but it was like the greatest thing I ever did in my career. But then I, when I left for maternity leave, I ended up getting poached by a startup in New York. And first of all, that doesn't happen. Like, wait, what? No one wants a pregnant person. Like no one wants people on maternity leave. Like, and in this startup, this is kind of hilarious because, you know, kind of going back to my intern, I always have such a soft spot for interns. I was always like the intern's favorite. Like literally it was like me and like a bunch of little hens. And I would like, come here, come to mama. Because I was just always so conscious of like, I I, I like couldn't even, I'd be like, no, they'd be like, what can I do? I'm like, no, just, no, just be, just your presence is fine. I was like, I couldn't even like tell them to do work because, which is, which is silly. But I, the interns always really liked me. And I remember right before I left for maternity leave, Phoebe, comes up to me and she's like, Patrice, she goes, you have to get on Snapchat. And I go, I go, Phoebe, I go at the time. I mean, I, I was like, I'm, I think, I don't think anyone wants to like, I'm like a mom of two. What are you talking about? She's like, no, no, no. She's like, I think you would do really well on Snapchat. So I remember the week of me leaving on maternity leave, she showed me how to use Snapchat. And this is in 2016. I sound like I'm a thousand years old right now, but, but back in 2016, like not, a, the old, like moms were not on Snapchat. So I got on maternity leave and when I say I like, I I like literally had a Snapchat world. It was like, I got so into it on my maternity leave because you don't, you know how it is when you're on maternity leave. You're in your own world. That's all there is. I was like, this is amazing. I'm like, I'm breastfeeding. I'm like, let's go to get some wine in the stroller. I mean, it was like, I had this whole, it was amazing. I had like friends. And so I ended up getting this random, you want to talk about random again? But again, there's a thread here. I'm like connecting the dots actually as I'm saying this. I got an email on LinkedIn from the guy who was the CEO of this startup and he starts his message off. By the way, this is back like LinkedIn in 2016. I mean, I like maybe had my name. Like it wasn't, I wasn't on LinkedIn. So I, I don't even know how I checked my LinkedIn. You know, it wasn't, but I remember he messaged me. He goes, this sounds crazy. He goes, I'm obsessed with your Snapchat. He goes, we all, my whole team watches your Snapchat. And every day we're like, what is that Brooklyn mom doing? And we need to like watch her snaps. He's like, 
I think you need to come and run my video team for my company. And I remember thinking it was a joke. I was like, this is a joke. I was like, first of all, because also I'm like, I was, the Today Show, I wasn't looking like, I, you know, I just gotten a raise. I had just won an award. I won a Gracie Award. I was flown out to LA with the cool kids. I was not a cool kid. Like, so it was like for the first time after feeling like late to the party, late bloomer, old, you know, for entering my industry, it was, I did have this moment of like, wow, this is unbelievable. Like I kind of felt proud, you know, of what I did. And, and so I wasn't looking. And so when this guy was said that, I'm like, this is insane. But I met him for lunch in the West Village. I'll never forget. I went and met him and it was like him and the founder and then this woman. And like, they were telling me about what they were doing and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and, and we kept talking and like the whole time. And, and finally they like offered me this, like, we really want you to come and do this. And I remember thinking, I remember I called my boss on maternity leave and I'm like, this is what they're offering me. And he's like, go. <laughs> he's like, get out. He goes, everyone dies here. He's like, go learn. He knew. He goes, you've out. He goes, I, you need to get out. He goes, and then he goes, get out, learn some stuff. I really had a good relationship. Me and my boss had like a, it was a respectful relationship, even though like we pissed each other off a lot. Like I respected him. And so um, he goes, go and do stuff and then come back and you can be our bosses, right? Like that's how he kind of framed it. And so I didn't return from my maternity leave in 2016. I went straight into this new startup environment and it was the worst job experience. Uh, it was, it was pretty awful, which is how, but again, life is twists and turns. If I, if that wouldn't have happened, I would never have started my own company. So that's how I exited the news business. I exited because I was invited to the startup. And to be honest with you, for many years, I didn't talk about that because the startup experience was such a soul-crushing, esteem-destroying, painful moment. And you have to understand, like, it was a big deal that I didn't come back from maternity leave. Like, my team threw me a going-away party. You know, it was like my dream job. It was like, oh my God, Patrice, is, this is so cool. And I was like so excited to go and I didn't even last a hundred days. And so it was really um, hard because also I didn't have like the, the, I probably didn't have the confidence to recognize things. And I also, you, you internalize everything. I'm like, I'm worthless. I have no skills. I can't make it outside the walls of this environment. You know, you start to, when you're in those toxic in situations, you start to doubt all of your own decisions. I couldn't even order lunch. I remember like one time a woman who was like, who was like not very nice was like asking me what I wanted for lunch one day. And I remember it was like in my head, like, well, is, she, is this a test or am I supposed to say, I mean, you, you start to become crazy. And, and I, every day I would leave that job, I would hold it in all day and I would get on the subway and I would just ball. And it got to the point where it was like, I was so openly up every day and my husband, every day he knew he'd have the two, my toddler and my baby usually waiting for me in the, in the apartment. And I would trudge up those stairs and I would just open the door and it would like, I would just collapse. It was just, it was such a dark period. I just want to pause and say thank you to all the amazing people tuning in and making this show a success. And to share some exciting scoop, I am opening up for the first time ever 
one-on-one coaching. We have two options available, the Executive Edge two-week program and the Career Catalyst six-week program, which will use my proprietary Earn It framework. If you're ready to propel your professional journey, crush your salary goals, or need someone to coach you through a big career decision, let's conquer it together. Limited spots for unlimited empowerment. Links to sign up will be in the show notes and in the link tree on my Instagram and LinkedIn site. See you there. Yeah, I can relate to that. That's what I I had the same. And what I hear though, is like, one, it's so powerful that you had the courage to, to try something totally new and different because how do you know that it's not for you? How do you know that it's not the right thing? And I'm big on, you never want to have those what ifs, those I shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, and so to have the bravery to leave something really stable, known, you know, engaged job and try something new, but then to also have the courage to say, this is terrible after a hundred days. Cause I was talking to somebody just the other day and they were talking, uh, with, uh, a, someone who, you know, had been at their job, I don't know, nine months. And they're like, ah, it's, it's not good. It's not for me. It's not the right place. However, I'm really just trying to get to that year mark so it doesn't look bad on my resume. Why? Life is too short. If if it's toxic, if it's eating you alive, if you are miserable and crying, I was at my job similar to that, I don't know, about 10 months. It wasn't, every day wasn't so bad, but it was not good, you know? Um, and it's partly, like you said, it's like, what do you think about yourself? What does it make you feel about yourself? What are the labels that you're putting on yourself? Um, and I think those are the things that hold most of us back. You know, like you talked about working at, at the Today Show and it, you know, there's a certain panache with saying, I work at the Today Show and this is my job. And these are the people I get to rub elbows with. But if it's not growing you and if it's not giving you the long-term satisfaction, then what does having that label on that title on your resume do for you? You know? Yeah. So I, when I hear you tell that, I think it's just brave because it is hard to leave that behind. I had to leave behind, um, you know, being a lawyer, Mm. I still use my law degree, but I'm not a practicing lawyer. Um, I left behind working at a very big fortune 50 company, which was like, you know, such a big deal. I had a great team. I was a boss. Um, and just leaving those things behind. But when you see a vision for your life and when you think there are other things that you need to explore, it all adds up to the puzzle of who you are and where you get. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, that? so then you turn and you create this amazing company on your own. How did that go? <laughs> that sounds very nice. Like you, you make it sound like it was intentional, but um, no, if honestly my, my, Oh God. I mean, that was just never on the radar. Um, you know, entrepreneurship was never something that I aspired to be. I genuinely, I always assumed that you had to be very special because whenever you hear stories about entrepreneurship and granted, this is maybe it's, it's changing now. Cause like everyone, everyone has a business now, but there was a period of time where like, no, no, like you didn't, you, you either like 
knew you wanted to have this amazing idea, like the Steve Jobs, right? Or, you know, you, oh, we always knew she had a lemonade stand and, you know, when she was five years old and she was selling bracelets in third grade. It's like every entrepreneur story kind of followed this similar arc of like, you were born out of the womb knowing that you were special and you had this idea and you knew how to execute. So, or you had family or you had family money or it was like, so I just, it wasn't even like available to me. Um, you know, no one was entrepreneurs in my family. It wasn't like, it wasn't like I had that modeling. And so, um, I remember after this job ended in like a hot, fiery death. At the time I had the health insurance. It was very scary. My husband had taken, um, his own career risks earlier and this was a four-year play and I was like making really good money. So I was going to kind of like my turn to kind of take the reins of, you know, we lived in New York city, like young kids, like, you know, we are, are, are living, our cost of living was high. And so when I lost that, it was like, oh my God. And I remember I was so depressed that I couldn't even fathom interviewing. There was no way. I, and also I was embarrassed because I was like, I couldn't tell even my own like colleagues that I, I don't work there anymore. Well, why? You know, what, what was wrong with it? What, what was wrong with you? Like, why didn't it work out for you? Right. And so I remember I told my boss and he kind of said, he goes, well, you can come back. And I remember thinking like, oh my God. And not that I was like putting my nose up to that because it was a great job, but like really and how like, I'm going to come back. I have to going away party and like, she's back. So it got to a point where my, actually my husband just said, he's like, I, I need you to like, just, just, just get up off the floor. Like literally I need you. My baby tried a newborn, a toddler. And I remember there was like this moment where my top, my baby was like, you know, like looking at me and his like bounce, bouncer chair. And I was just like staring at him and he was like smiling. And I just kind of had this moment. I'm like, I, I gotta get up. Like I gotta like get up. So, um, at the time I remember thinking to myself, okay, maybe I'll try to just like do a project just to get my esteem back, just to like get myself healthy in a mental, in a healthier mental spot. And so, um, there was someone who knew someone because I because I had the Today Show credentials, right? So people that had again a little bit of credibility. It's like, oh, I was a producer, you know. So someone had a company, and they're like, hey, we need to make a video for our website. It was a vitamin subscription company, and they're like, do you want to do it? And I'm like, Ugh. I mean, no, I did not. But I was like, I need money, and I just need to just start earning some income. So I remember. I had no idea what I was doing. Like, you know, even though I was making shows or TV and, and online stuff, there's like a different switch when it's corporate. And it's interesting. The one good thing about this, not the one good thing, there was actually a few, but the startup it was the first time I got exposed to brands in a real way because it was a little bit like I was doing back in that first job at NBC where we were like making videos for Mercedes. But we were doing it in a different, it was sort of similar. I kind of got re-exposed back into that world of like, again, all these brands wanted to make video. And so I kind of, there was this thinking of like, oh my God, these marketing people are terrible. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. Cause when you come from editorial land, there's no time for that. You can't be a commercial. You actually have to focus on the story and the heart and the soul and connecting to the audience. They don't change the channel. So my brain was just thinking about how they would tell their commercial different. So I did this video for this website 
I, I shot it, I edited it. And like, and then someone else was like, and so my video, actually my company started as pure production where it was like companies, brands, small businesses would hire me to make video. But I, I didn't take myself seriously. I was like, this is not what I want to do. I don't want to run a production company. It's very duty too. I was in New York City and people would be like, what camera should I use? I'd be like, I have no idea. Like, don't ask me. I don't know. They'd be like, just Sony or a Canon. I'd be like, ah. And, and, then, and, then, and then you start realizing, you know, when, when brands start hiring you, I'm like, I'm just project managing here because I would have to scramble to go find like my freelancers to... And even if you're, let's say my project was 30 grand, you are not making 30 grand. Like you are paying your shooters, you're paying your editors. And also I learned real quickly that this was not sustainable because two times it happened where I had a shoot and I had locked in like my best freelancer, right? My shooter, I had two shooters and I would, they knew each other. Guess what? They got offered a month long gig in LA. Sorry yeah, okay, I know we were going to make whatever, but we're going to make five times that amount in 30 days. So I had two different projects at the last, the week of the shoot drop out. And I, I'm like, this is not like what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and at the time I was running around like a mad person, lights. I wasn't making much money. I really wanted to have a third baby at this time. My husband's like, are you crazy? Like we're in New York City. You want another baby? Like I, I, I was like going bankrupt. I was like literally going to credit card debt because even though I was like, I had Amazon as a client, I had Netflix. So all from the outside, if you would think like, oh my God, like, and actually you wouldn't because I didn't post on social media. I, I, I used, I, that was not, anything. I didn't do anything. No marketing. It was all like kind of just my network, but it, 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 it all came unraveling around COVID where I, I had like, I'm like, this is not sustainable. Um, so I serendipitously um, met this woman online and I ended up taking a mastermind. This is in 2020, at the top of 2020, before COVID. I had no idea what a mastermind was. I didn't know you could make money online. I remember thinking like, what? She goes, you are not thinking about your business, right? She goes, you need to get online. I'm like, and do what? I'm not an influencer. Like, what? She goes, no, like, you need to teach people how to storytell. I go, I, I remember she she changed my life. I'm still really good friends with her. She's the smartest person I know. Um, she taught me everything. I took a mastermind 90 days with her. I gave this woman $10,000. I put it on a credit card. I'll never forget it. It was like the craziest thing I've ever done. A stranger I had just met. I had one Zoom chat with her. And by the end of the Zoom, I'm like, take my money, which I didn't have. I remember I talking to my husband. I'm like, I need to put 10 grand on this credit card because like I just feel this in my gut that like I need to learn this. I need to know how to go online. I need to know how to make more money coming from different places. And right now, all I know how to do is make money from selling my services. And it's a long sales cycle. And it's I, I, in order to make good money for where we were living, I needed to really be closing biggish projects a few times a month. And those had long sales cycles. So I was like, this, the math is not mathing. So anyway, I took this mastermind and I swear to God, Right before COVID hit, I'd finished her mastermind and she taught me how to do like, how to think about selling. I, I made my Instagram public. 
She goes, your Instagram is your marketing platform. She goes, it is not your family album. She goes, if you want a family album, you go start it. That's fine. But this is you, this is your marketing platform. She goes, this is free marketing. She goes, you are a storyteller. She's like, you got to start using your skills. Like you're not using them. You're not opening up. You're not showing up. I'm like, oh my God. And so I remember I, my first ever product I ever sold was a $297 Zoom four week boot camp about how to make a video. And she taught me everything. She taught me how to pre-sell. I did not make a single piece of content. I sold everything. You sell everything first. Most people do it wrong. They do it backwards. They spend all this time on a product or a class or a PDF or a digital download. And then they like announce it to the world and it's crickets. She goes, it's not how that you do. So she taught me and I swear to God, Zoom sold eight spots, eight strangers. I thought I was a millionaire. I'm like, I'm a millionaire. Eight strangers just gave me $297 on the internet. I remember my, my sister was helping me. We have this all on video. And I'm like, I just made $1,000. Like it was just mind boggling that this was, that people would buy. Like I couldn't even believe it. And she changed my life. And that is when my business went to the races. And, and it all happened during COVID because I also... Got, was pregnant with my third, I won, got my third baby. Um, but I also now couldn't do production. It was shut. So I had no choice. My, 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 my back was to the wall. So again, I, all the overthinking I might've been doing, like, I don't want to get online or I don't want to, what am I going to say? Like, I'm not an influencer. I was like, oh, fuck that. Like I am pregnant with my third. My business is shut. What is happening to the world? It's burning. Um, what do I have to lose? And I just went like all in. And I literally like one day, like showed up on my Instagram and I have not gotten off my Instagram since. And it's been three years. I show up every day and I've built a very successful business online. And now most of my business is um, online. And I have a small portion, my video team. I ended up partnering with a video production company um, in New York that I still use. And it's great because I, like if I have any, I can take any projects and I don't have to run around chasing freelancers, but they, you know, I get a cut. And if I have to be on set, then I get a bigger cut. But anyway, so it's, my business is really pivoted. And now that I'm living in Lisbon, it's going to pivot even more. So it's, it's, life is wild. When you were 29 and you're interning, what would that girl think about who you are today, the life that you're living and like all that you've done? That's a good the business you built. Yeah. I mean, no, it's a really good question because I think also one of the downsides of working for yourself is that it's really easy to just never step outside of yourself and acknowledge and be proud. It's, 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 it's a weird state of mind where because you are a little bit in a silo, you kind of don't have that, you know, at least at the company, a boss could be like, great job, or you win an award. It's like, you kind of get these little nuggets of validation and the validation isn't the same, right? It is in sales and sure, but it's, it's, it's different. So I, yeah, I mean, honestly, like if, if my 29 year old self could see me now, you know, it's it, like, I think she'd be I think she'd be really proud. I think she'd be, um, I think she'd be blown away. Actually. I don't think she'd be actually living in a European country with three kids and a business. I think she'd be like, uh, that's someone else's story. Swipe left. What? So I, even I sometimes I, it's, it's weird. I'm like, I can't believe I live in Europe right now. It's just bad. Ah, like my kids like go to school and are speaking Portuguese. Like it's, it's weird. Like, <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, I remember one time I specifically, it, it, it was like, you've, you've been in the subway in Paris, I'm sure. You know, and if it's commute time, it's like stinky and hot and it's crazy and crowded and everybody is like, go, 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 go. I, I feel like it's New York subway on steroids, to be honest. And I just remember I'm hustling down the stairs. I'm like trying to get on the train and running and dodging people, um, making sure I get on the right track because I've got on the wrong one before. <laughs> and then I was on the periphery of town, not knowing where the hell I was. And I'm walking through and I just had this moment. It just like, like light was shining on me in that dark little subway. And I literally did a circle in the subway and said, this is all I'd ever dreamed of as a little girl wanting to get out of Texas and explore and work internationally and be around these different cultures and learning and growing. And this is it. And it just, the feeling hit me on a stinky old subway. I love it. And I just got teared up and I was like, you know, this is it. And I come back to that moment all the time because when you are pushing in your purpose and your goals and your dreams, it's scary. It's hard. You have three kids. Life is not easy. Like uh, people can sit around and look at me and think, oh, your life is so grand from the outside. Life is never as easy as it looks for people. And I'm not saying that to like, woe is me because I love my life and it is great, but everybody has challenges. And so when I think about where am I going, what am I trying to achieve? And the drive that I have to give something meaningful to the world that also like fills the hole in my heart and the, in the things that I want to create when it's challenging, I try to bring myself back to that place in the subway and think, I love that. I love my life. I am so thankful for all that I've done, all that I am and all that I have. And I just need to keep going. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's, and you know, it's, 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 it's because I am recently moved from New York to Lisbon and it's been a very challenging hundred days. The only thing I can describe it is like, I feel like I'm shedding skin. Living in New York is like an identity, you know, and it's the type of thing where like you get it or you don't get it. But like, if you love living in New York, like it's, it is. And I didn't realize I love living in New York. I love raising my kids there. I loved it. I love the chaos. I love the subway. I love the chaos, the dirt. I like seeing the rats. Like I, I love the beautiful browns, like everything. It was just like, everything was just at your disposal. And I really felt like, you know, there's a reason people go to New York to pursue their dreams. So you really are surrounded by energy that is palpable, right? You can't put your finger on it, but I really believe it's because you're just around a lot of people that are going after it. And when you're around that, that makes you want to do better and be better, right? However, there's a lot of downside to that too. But what I'm realizing here is kind of pulled out of that. I am unraveling because I'm like, wow, I really like tied a lot of my own identity into living there and I don't live there anymore. I live in Lisbon and it is like, I don't know who I am here, not to sound like too esoteric, but I don't have a community, right? I spent 13 years building a community. Like I don't have that. I don't have, I don't know the language. I'm bad at things. I don't know how to like pay things with an app. Like I, I, everything I feel like I am starting over in this really interesting way and I'm trying to embrace it, but it's hard. And there are days where I'm like, this is, this is, this feels too hard. Um, but I also think like, I know intuitively in my gut that this is how it's, it's like, it, 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 this is how you get to like 
you keep unlocking those levels, right? Of like personal growth, happiness, and not not everyone's happiness is moving their family to an international to internationally. But what's your version of that? And I think most people don't do that. Most people stay. Most people are fine with fine. Most people are too scared to try something, whether that's leave the job, leave the relationship, try on a new health routine, move, whether it's international, whether it's to a different town, whether it's to a different state. So you kind of live this life where I think most people are like in this homostasis place where I know that like to kind of get to that feeling of like, oh, I'm alive or I'm really like, to me, maximizing life because we don't ever, we don't know how long we have. I, to me, it's experiences. And this is a hard experience. I'm in the hard part of this experience right now, but I do know that I got it. The only way out of it is through. And so, but I know I'm going to be different when I come out of it. And I think it will be better. And so what was the genesis for the move? Lots of little reasons. Like it wasn't, like I said, I love living in New York. Like I, I, I there's nowhere else I'd rather live. Or it, that's also when you kind of realize like living in the United States, I'm like, there is nowhere I'd rather live. And so all of a sudden that becomes very expensive. We have three kids. You know, I run a business. It's like you're, you start, you're in that hustle where you're like, what are we doing? Like, you know, New York has gotten out of control cost-wise. It's, and I'm not just saying that because New York's like always expensive, but truly just gross, you know, where you're just like, this is not tenable. This is not tenable. So when you start doing that, you know, we're not suburb people. So, and and we're like, there's certain places in the country I just can't move to. So it's like, okay, all of a sudden your options shrink. Um, the guns, the guns, like I'm, I'm, I, I think it's insanity what us American parents are forced to deal with in the country. And there's so many Americans actually leaving the country because of that. And there was an incident, um, at my kid's school, and you think like, oh, I'm in New York. It's, you know, gun laws are strict. It's like, nope. I also grew up in a suburb of Chicago, Highland, right near Highland Park. It was a mass shooting there, July, 7th, July 4th of July, 10 minutes from where I grew up. That town is traumatized. I know so many people forever traumatized. It's like, this is dumb. So a little bit of the politics, a little bit of the cost of living. We like adventure. My husband's British, so we travel to Europe every summer because we usually come to London and then we'll go bop around. Um, and also my kids' ages are perfect. They're 10, 7, and 3. If we don't do this now, we wouldn't do it because the older my kids get, it's harder to move during teenage years. Although I've met so many people that have moved teens and it's, it's wild. It's really interesting. So we tell ourselves these stories, but actually th- these teens are like so thankful. They're American. They're like so thankful to have this experience. And even though it was hard, they're now can see why their parents did it. Um, and also qu- quality of life. The Europeans, man, it's health, like the healthcare, the mental health, the, the, like the way they view the world. Like I kind of wanted to experience it. You know, you always hear about it and vacationing is one thing, but living is another. And I, I'm like, let's try this on for a few years. So we're going to try it. And like, worst case scenario, we, we move back. Like, you know, it's, it's not moving doesn't, is not like this, I think white flag, I think when we were younger, when someone moved, it was like, well, that's it. That's the rest of your life. Like movie doesn't have to be like the rest of your life, you know? No, no, absolutely. And I look at, um, there is a, do you remember the, the, what are, what were they called? Glamour girls, the British glamour girls years ago, Jordan. 
Oh, wait. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So she has a podcast with her sister. I've never listened to it. I don't even know how I found out about this, but her sister is like the complete opposite of her. This sweet little, just British lady raising her little baby and they co-host this um, podcast. Anyway, I found her sister on Instagram and I started following her and I can't remember her name, but she lives in the countryside of London. And in my mind, this is the jam. Like I am a city girl. I want to be near the city, but then I see those cute little British towns <laughs> and I'm like, F all of this. Like I'm out. I, let's go family. I'm out of here, but I don't want to live in the city in Europe. I want to live in a little cottage okay. in a village and go to the butcher, yeah. go to my little Maytag repair guy. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not like in America where you have like these pay for hire, you know, you have like legitimately trained people yeah, for all the trades and all yeah. the things. And it's just like this cute little community. Oh my God, you're so funny. So my husband is just stateside. So it's me fantasizing, but, um, I'm, it's always in the back of my head that like in 10 years, you can summer, in 10 years, maybe you can su- yeah. you know, like start like going somewhere for the summers and chunks of well, time. This is this summer is probably my, my husband works in baseball. So summer is hard for him. Got it. But for me, I think I'm going to try to, I think I maybe mentioned this to you in a message one time is like, I think I'm going to try to be brave and like my husband will come for a week, but I'm going to stay for another week by myself with all three kids. Oh my God. But I think I'm going to try it. I live in Lisbon, but like there's so many like amazing like beach towns and farm. I just met this woman this morning for coffee who lives in Portugal, but she lives in a sustainable farm that she bought. Like, Yeah. So yeah, you'll, yeah, come. And everybody in Europe travels with their kids. So I feel like it's just more, more. You're going to die. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much you spend time in here, but like even traveling, like there's line. they see you at the airport. This is how I know I land in Europe. When I landed in Lisbon with like my family, a man comes up to me and goes, come here over here, takes me, removes me from the long line for customs and brings me to a special line. Like they're just, it's like, this is how it should be. There is a bar and a kiosk in every single park in Lisbon. Every bar, there's a bathroom, a nice bathroom, and there's a bar with food and snacks. It's like humane. I'm like, oh, like, yes. Like how can we, we, how can we reorganize and reorient our life around family centricity, which is so important. But Patrice, I don't, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have so much going on. I do. I thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Um, Let people know where they can find you. And if there's anything else you want to plug or any program or anything that you're coming out. Yeah. I mean, so Instagram Patrice Poltzer is my handle. Um, I, I spend a lot of time there and, um, you know, my specialty is, is helping leaders, business owners and, and people in corporate who are, maybe have to do a lot of speaking or have to do a lot of presenting, um, tapping into the power of their own stories in order to have like more impact. Um, I, I specialize in founder story. I make videos and I also am I'm like huge geek into AI and how AI helps storytelling because not everyone's a born storyteller. So AI has been this amazing tool. So I run cohorts, I run programs. And um, yeah, like right now, probably the one thing that's like the easiest, lowest lift is I have an AI workshop that is like a really great intro into like how to think about using AI for the emotional part. This is not like a here's 55 chat GPT prompts. Like this is actually, um, can, can we use AI to help us emotionally tap into the power of emotional storytelling, which is the power, which makes it powerful. Um, and then I also have a video intro course. Like if you've never done video and you're like, what? But you know, you need to start learning video. I have um a a video class about how to make a compelling 60 second video using a lot of my 
processes from my days working at the Today Show and working with businesses. So that's amazing. Guys, connect and follow Patrice. She's also uh, does a lot on LinkedIn. And if you need help building your story, building a speech, doing anything related to that, just reach out. She is amazing. Thank you so much for your time. As I knew this would fly by. Everybody keep getting clear, keep working on your pivot. Know that whatever it is that you're looking for out there for that happiness, when you take the bravery and courage to go after it, it, you will get there. You will find it. So don't be afraid to shed the old and start something new. Until next time, keep getting clear. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to create a career you love, get the salary you deserve and build the confidence to live life on your own terms, sign up for my free newsletter where you'll get actionable tips to raise your worth, build your wealth, create freedom, and create a life you absolutely love. Head over to crystalwaremedia.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes and join thousands of others making their dreams a reality. Whether you're just embarking on the journey or well on your way, the Worthful newsletter has something for you. See you next week.